0: I was pleased to see you smile at
1: the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
0: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
2: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. An eventful weekend, as always, in Laker land. First, uh, Lakers get the win to move back to 500. We recorded a special bonus episode just to celebrate the occasion, but then dip right back below. In a game where LeBron James returns out of nowhere, um, and but the Chicago Bulls and Patrick Beverly uh, hand the Lakers a, a pretty resounding defeat. And so Lakers end the weekend in ninth place in the Western Conference with a 37 and 38 record. I normally wouldn't ask to put parameters on uh, topics on a pod. But we got three pods to record before our next game, and so my request is just for this one. Let's push standings talk in particular off to uh, off to other ones because we're gonna have to sit with that game for a few uh, a few days, D. And so is the Lakers coaching staff, and we're gonna play that team again. So I think that the lessons from on court, like, really want to dive into that uh, between now and the next game because. This is a. This was a loss that, if we learn the lessons from it that we need to learn, we we can really move on. Or I'm sorry, we can we can really be in a good spot. But with Chicago coming up again and Minnesota coming up after that, if we don't learn those lessons, we're actually in a, a, a bit
1: of a dangerous stretch. We're in a dangerous stretch, regardless. Sure, sure. So I've been expressing a certain amount of frustration in general, like it's been bubbling. Yesterday's game might have been one of the more anger-inducing games that I've watched from the Lakers in a while. I just thought for all of the times where you feel like they shot themselves in the foot in whatever way, whether it was... like the, the second half of the New Orleans game where they won was like a perfect example of this, where it's just like they just sort of stopped caring and it that sort of vibe carried over into future games as well. And you're just like, look, don't you understand the stakes of the season? Like you can't keep coming out flat every single game. That resolved itself mostly, but against the Bulls, Mike, I thought that... There were some lineup decisions and some general like this is how I'm going to play within the structure of those lineups that I thought the Lakers did it to themselves yesterday a lot. Um, They played a really sort of small bench group with three guards and then with Vanderbilt playing power forward and then Wenyan at center um, against the lineup that was anchored by Andre Drummond at center, who's going to give Wenyan issues just because of his size and bulk. And then Patrick Williams is like one of the other big wings. And then DeRozan, I think might've been in the game at that point as well. And, and so there was the, the one group that the Bulls actually play with size Right. They started like basically a three guard lineup with the Rosen at power forward. Um, so that group does didn't have size. And the Lakers played one of their bigger groups that they could play. LeBron is back. Austin Reeves is 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 uh starting wool well, with Dennis, I guess. And, and, but then the Lakers went small. And to start the second quarter, Mike, that group got blown off like they they got blown off the court. And that they were changed minus the tenor of the entire
2: we got, we got outscored by 12 points in the first 530 of the second quarter.
1: Yeah, and AD came in right at the end of that, Mike. But it's just like the damage was already done, and the Lakers lost – they lost the tone of the game at that point. And Chicago never let it go, to their credit. And the Lakers never got back into it. It was – they trailed by three at the end of the first quarter in ways where – Even in the second half of that quarter, they didn't play very well, but I thought, oh, well, they're in it. All they have to do is turn things around a little bit, shift up these these things. And they went further in the other direction. And I was so frustrated by just some of the lineups that were out there and then how those lineups played. Like they just didn't play hard enough either. I I thought particularly in the backcourt.
3: Yeah. So to me, it was before the second quarter, it was that shift at the end of the first quarter. And you just alluded to it, Darius, but where things shifted. Up to that point, I remember texting the two of you, uh, and we were kind of going back and forth and being like, good start, you know, good energy. Right, even with some miscues mm-hmm. like Vanderbilt uh, traveled when he could have just had a layup. Um, then he made a play in the other end where he just kind of like knocked the ball out of bounds. There, there were a couple things like that. Like Troy Brown was getting beat off the dribble by Levine, um, something that was going to continue to be a problem. Uh, Levine w- was just sort of doing what he wanted, and and yet they were up twenty-one to nineteen uh, when AD went out for the first time, and Drummond checks in and pretty quickly starts to kick the Lakers' ass uh, inside and it wasn't just that it was just like the, the, I guess, yeah, the decision, like the decision to go with a smaller group and a smaller rotation and be playing, you know, Beasley next to Walker, uh, no Rui Hachimura and just not a lot of help um, on the inside for Wenyan, who isn't really, as we've talked about, he's more of a forward body that's just taller um, than a center and just sort of seeding that ground. Um, I thought changed the whole tone of the game. So instead of so they they go from being up two to down three, and then Chicago just bursts out of the gates in the second quarter, and the Lakers have to call the early timeout. So that to me that was the game. Like they there were other times where Chicago was also put it on the Lakers, but that that sort of Pete. Let me I'll stop there because I do have some thoughts about why I think it'll be different or it could be different moving forward. But that that to me was the part of the game where the Lakers let go of the rope and, and in doing so in a critical game like this is just very costly. You know, it's, it's just a, it's like, it's not the actual play in game or an actual playoff game, but a loss like that, much like the Dallas loss, uh, that can lead to a whole different set of circumstances in terms of the standings and, and having, not having the type of advantage that maybe the Lakers could have had. um, Were they able to, you know, go four and one instead of three and two
2: yeah, let's zero in on that stretch on that minus twelve in the first five thirty of the two quarter uh, of the second quarter um because I think there's a lot of meat on that bone. So first of all, one of the extremely unusual parts of that game is LeBron James came off of the bench for only the second time in his career. and so the the rotation, what I think they were going for, I have no sourcing on this or anything like that, but was. Ideally, you don't want to play LeBron right, like thirty six minutes when he comes back, right? But since it's an important game, you probably do want him to close. so i I suspect that him playing like the last six minutes of every quarter was, you know, something along the lines of the plan. Um, but, he comes in at that time and he ends his shift at the end of the second quarter. Now, normally he would be in at the beginning of the wraparound right there, right? Because AD's been playing. His his shifts have been extended recently to around the one or two minute mark of the, f- the first quarter. And then he'll sit until, what, like the seven minute mark of the second quarter. And so that's that's the main stretch that we're talking about. Due to the unusual circumstances of LeBron's rotation rotational minutes, he's out during that time. So the lineup we have on the floor is Austin, Malik, uh, Lonnie, uh, Vanderbilt, and Wenyon. And especially the first four guys there – there, there are, Like I said, there's a lot of meat on the bone. So Austin's your lead guard in that situation. One of the things he struggles with is physical ball pressure. This is how I, what I refer to as the pass rush of the NBA, as though it were the NFL, right? The Bulls have really good ball pressure from their guards between Pat Bev, Alex Caruso, and Ayo Dasunmu, who's very good at this as well. Kobe White can do this as well, especially if he's like your fourth best guy at doing it. And so they're pressuring up on him. But also, Drummond is one of those bigs that likes to jump passing lanes. He's always amongst the league leaders of steals at the five spot, despite how big he is. On that play where AD jammed his finger, for example, that was him blowing up an off-ball screen and fighting over the top to kind of get that deflection right there. So. Anyway, you've got a lot of this pressure going forward. And so that really plays on Austin's weaknesses. And so over the next couple of days, Austin had a bad weekend and I think that we'll get into some of the details of that because it was both physical and mental, I thought. Then the Beasley and Lonnie combo. For me, I'll, I'll stop on on Beasley. The it's not about his shot making as much to me. Like he's not a knockdown open three maker he's more of a guy that can get up volume at a decent percentage um but for me it's way more about like things like transition defense and just like running putting a body on somebody that said if you're asking him to put a body on Andre Drummond it's just not going to work right like so just the basic idea of how small that group is it makes Vanderbilt be a big D right it's like a lot of the things that we've talked about that we know don't work and so just in an overall concept type of way. The start of that quarter were like a lot of the things that we're bad at, and we should know we're bad at by now. And we should know not to put a group like that out there.
1: I don't want to be overly critical, but the thing that irritated me the most is, like Lonnie got a lot of praise after the last game mm-hmm. for being professional and for handling his his business. I thought that was that praise was just due. But the praise that I thought actually that just needed to happen was this dude scored 20 points on 7 of 12 shooting after not playing for a long time. And Mm -hmm. so what a great performance. We really needed that. Things probably should have been skewed more towards that than like, oh, my goodness, what a great professional. Like he's a pro. Like I appreciate Lonnie for playing the way that he did. I think, though, that springboarding that into you're now in the rotation for a game and this other player who Rui been playing fine. And I thought, (sighs) yeah, like his box score numbers had been down. But the OKC game, for example, there were I don't want to amplify this too much, but there were at least two possessions. And I want to say three or more where he got matched up with wing Jalen Williams. And Williams had been having his way on a few different drives just to the basket. Like he ate up Austin on a drive. He went, like I think he shouldered Troy once or twice. And he was just doing his thing. And a couple times he got mashed up with Rui and he tried that same thing on mm-hmm. Rui and it just didn't work. Like yeah. Rui's just bigger and stronger and you don't have to be great at something like I've always talked about this with like the difference between how Luka Doncic is bad on defense and Trey Young is bad on defense well Luka's 6'7 240 mm-hmm. if you're bad on defense that way if a guy just runs into you it's different than running into a guy who is 6'1 185 pounds right
2: the, the point is size and athletic tools matter right like yes. it's it's something that it impacts the game and One of the challenges for any particular shift is you got to be able to identify when there's a big mismatch. And so like the Drummond, Drummond was plus 20 in that game in like 17 minutes. And the reason being, he's a huge mismatch in like one-on-one rebounding battles, even for an Anthony Davis, right? Totally. So if we're talking, if Wenyan's in the game, like, and, and it's just Wenyan, we've been talking about the AD Wenyan combo. They didn't get any minutes together. That probably changes when LeBron comes back. But again, it's this whole Rui being benched. It's this whole diminishment of the value of size, which to me is ironic because Darvin Ham was a six-eight athlete, you know with size at the at the fourth spot and that's often a spot that we're like you need help on a guy like Drummond from a second guy and how many boards is a guy like Rui tipped away and if you look at his I don't don't know like those type of lineups we need more size out there to be able to compete with guys like like Drummond who can make an impact on the inside
3: yeah and I think that at this point of the season you know I don't know how that fundamentally changes when it's been something that this is just how they played in the kind of the personnel groupings that, that the coaches have looked for pretty much throughout the season. And there are there are some reasons for that. I, I guess it tends to be more um, offensive and just like the, the opting for certain levels of spacing and certain levels of creation and, and what not. And I think that we've seen more of the drawbacks. Uh, and, you know, part of that also is because there isn't that additional sort of pure big um, even available in the rotation. And like, like thinking back to Milwaukee, almost, you know, AD in some senses is like some combo of Brook Lopez and Giannis defensively where he's more of a pure dropping, like shot blocking, protecting five than Giannis is. But he's he's obviously much more versatile uh, than Brooke Lopez and can do a lot more, but they don't have the Brooke Lopez spot unless Mo Bamba comes back and they start starting him. And then that changes the whole thing. That changes what Anthony Davis is doing. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. AD is obviously going to keep starting at the five. So I'm, I'm Pete and Darius now thinking more about, well, they've had that one game with D'Angelo Russell and LeBron in the starting lineup together uh, next to AD. And how does that affect what these groupings are? How much does that change the, like having basically both Dennis and Austin on the floor is no longer going to happen. That's going to be staggered more like Dennis would be coming off the bench. Austin is now, as Darvin said yesterday, going to continue to start um, instead of Beasley. So what grouping that, like, who do you then pair off the bench next to Dennis? And I don't think that it can be Beasley and Walker. And it would seem the guy that they've been choosing between those two has been Beasley. Um, even if that's, a, that's another thing that we can discuss, but I don't know that it can be both of them. Um, And, but if you, if you're then also either if Baba comes back and then you've still got Wendy Gabriel and you've still got Rui Hachimura, there's a lot of good options there to be bigger than with that unit, uh, than certainly what we saw in this time in, in this game. And I wonder that just Russell coming back alone, I wonder if some of that slots in a different way, because I don't think it's just going to happen organically uh, based on what we've seen all season.
2: Yeah. I'm, D-Lo definitely has to play, but, To the point of like going super small, especially at the one, two, three, for the sake of improving spacing and offense. Like, Rui's not a doesn't hurt your offense. Rui's a good offensive player and he's very good at the like either catch and shoot the wide open three or attack the closeout. He's got one of the best one dribble pull ups in the game. He's not somebody that like, oh, we got Rui Hachimura in the game. You know, we're really going to be bad on offense. In fact, on that group, the Vanderbilt and Gabriel and Wenyan combo has been the one that's bad on offense. And it makes sense. They're not particular neither one of them's particularly skilled, right? In terms of shot making and things like that. So I don't know, D, it's like it's out of whack in ways that, yes, D needs to play, but like it, it didn't need to be that.
1: Yeah, I was thinking. If Russell plays yesterday, like maybe it changes the outcome of like like of the game. Dennis didn't shoot particularly well for for example, and the Lakers didn't get a lot of offensive production from any of the other guards. Like Beasley ended up with a good night. He got a lot of points in garbage time. Like I don't count those personally. Like, and I like like you said, Pete, and I think this is super important because I saw some stuff trending on on Twitter a little bit where um, Beasley had had ended up like pinning a comment like, like on his Instagram page where he was like, you know, like wishing his son a happy birthday. And then right. like and fans sure are in his comments. It sucks. Yeah. Like fans are in his comments about his shot you gotta stop making. Stop doing that shit. Totally. But personally, I don't care about his shot making. Right. Same. Run back on defense. I don't care about his shot making. Like Yes, I'd like them to go in. Just like I'd like Dennis's shots to go in, just like LeBron, Le, like LeBron took like a momentum three and that didn't go in. And I was just like, did you need that shot? Like there are so many times where I want every shot to go in. And if you're a shooter and they don't go in, it's just like make or miss lead. I get it. The things that bothered me yesterday and when I talk about playing an extra guard, it's all of the stuff where continuing to play an extra guard instead of playing an extra forward that's a choice every day with every game if you decide I'm going to play one fewer forward and one more guard that's a choice and you you will either benefit or suffer based off of that choice and against the bulls specifically they suffered because of that choice and when you talk about learning the lessons from from a game Pete, Maybe I'm seeing what I want to see, but over the course of the season, I thought, I think the Lakers have not benefited enough from playing the extra guard rather than playing the extra forward. Earlier during the season, I understand there were mitigating circumstances. There was not, there was not always an extra forward available to play. Now there are. And after the game, Darvin Ham said, we got too many good players. Sometimes one of them isn't going to play and great. I get it you think all of these players are good and to a certain extent, I agree. The one who did not play was the extra forward and continuing to make that choice with this group, I think you're gonna suffer the consequences more often than not, particularly defensively and on the backboards and it's showing itself over and over and over again. And when they go into this road trip, these are the teams that will punish you for doing that.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Anthony Davis, eight shot attempts. The shot attempts were distributed pretty evenly. After the game, they were talking about... Uh, AD was talking about in particular Chicago being a pack to paint team. Now this is something that LeBron is getting his feet wet. It's funny. We've barely talked about him in, in his return to me. This is a game where he's just getting back into the rhythm. I don't really put a ton into it. We were like a plus four when he was in the game. I thought he played okay. Um, but AD against teams that really shut down the paint, Mike, to me, that's where his jump shooting needs to come into play right that's something that in previous years that's not the first time teams have tried to do that against him but even if it's just that 18 footer i'm not even talking threes but like oh everybody wants to be in the paint he when he's bullying a team like okc that's a team with you know slight slight guys in the front court that aren't really going to be physical with him. He's not going to be able to do that against Andre Drummond. Wasn't able to do that yesterday, won't be able to do that later. Vucevic getting ejected probably helps Chicago in this respect because he can kind of leverage his physical advantages over him. But to me, that's something that if we want to get AD shot at I was, I was annoyed.
3: Up, yeah. From the Lakers' perspective, I was when Vucevic got sent out, I was like, oh man. You said I, it right away. For for, yeah
2: yeah, you texted us right away. He was like, actually, that that might not be good for us. and and that's exactly what happened, right? And so to me, Mike I, I'm curious your thoughts on that, right? Because like a d doesn't have that natural advantage down low against a Chicago team that's also going to be really over indexing on on that. So just curious your thoughts on a d shot attempts
3: Well, I think it's this is a complicated one. I think I start that the offense seems to be more guard centric um just in general and a lot of the stuff that that like where AD would be aggressive is the downhill and the screen roll and guess what teams are selling out to take away you know th- that that lob right. and him getting to the hoop and so it it just creates these there's only so many pockets on the floor that AD can get the ball in and then when he does it's that same thing like he he might look up and see uh, um a certain defender that he that he knows he can eat on even though he can you know there isn't really a defender that he can't do something on and get into that real aggressive mode and he was great at that against okc um and there are other games where he's done it early but then faded away and i just think that the lakers have so many guards that put the ball on the floor a lot that it sometimes that just ends up being what the offense is and ad is not a he's not going to demand always and be a, a super selfish type of a player and then all of a sudden he's got six shot attempts in the third by the third quarter. There's, I think that LeBron coming back helps some of that. Like LeBron is better in the screen role at at getting AD the ball in certain places. Maybe Um, that's not the primary, like Russell has yet to really figure that out with AD. Right. And I don't know if Dennis has ever fully figured that out. They're much
2: better than they were in 2021. Their numbers together are are
3: decent too. And especially since in the more recent stretch, right? Like there was the game where D'Lo was not, where AD was not getting the ball and then Darwin put Dennis in and he immediately got him for the two uh, for like one lob and then another touch in the middle of the paint. But so that's, that's part of it. Like it's part of it's on AD, part of it's on his teammates, part of it's on the coaches, all that stuff. There's, there's plenty of stuff there. Your point about the jump shooting I think makes some sense too, but I'm now just I'm trying to think about what it's going to look like when the offensive set around him or the, the players around him are actually optimized for what this roster is. And that hasn't happened a ton this year. Early in the season, right? It was uh, like when Westbrook was still here and now it's uh, and Beverly was in the starting lineup, right? Who's not going to run screen rolls with uh, with AD and then LeBron gets hurt and blah, blah, blah. We, we've we all seen uh, certainly what's happened with this season, but How does that change if it is Russell and it is Austin Reeves and it is LeBron James, like those three on the court and then presumably Vanderbilt um, in the, in the dunker spot or like outside of the actions or cutting along the baseline. How does that evolve what we've seen from AD? Uh, And, and I don't know that it's going to be some wholesale change, but uh, that's maybe, maybe Darius can tell us.
1: So I remain baffled by the idea that the Lakers are running some seemingly egalitarian offense where the guards yeah. have the green light to shoot as much as they want to shoot on shots that are being opened up by the fact that Anthony Davis is on the floor. Anthony Davis made 75% of his field goal attempts yesterday and he got eight <laughs> shot attempts. Amen. Some of that's on AD for sure. Mm-hmm. There was a play on the baseline where Anthony, the ball swung from from one side of the court to, to the other. So A.D. went from strong side to weak side. And the ball's in the corner, and A.D. had the opportunity to duck in along underneath the basket in order to get the ball, and he didn't. He stood. Mm-hmm. And then yes, the guard drove baseline, and I think he shot a floater. I don't even know if the shot went in or not. It doesn't matter. On plays like that, I'm just like, no, nah, man. Like, Anthony Davis, you need to duck in. Like, that's mm-hmm. where I blame A.D., I'm like, look, man, like you got to be more aggressive in getting yourself into position in order to take and make in in order to be available to take and make shots. You're the best player on the court for both teams. Right. And then there are other times where I'm just like, like. And this is going to sound like I'm picking on Beasley, but this will be true for Lonnie to a certain extent. It's even true for Austin and Dennis right? Because every guard does, does this. And action comes for them to come off of a screen or come off of a ball screen. And their first instinct is, what can I do to attack for me? And like for all the crap that we gave Russell Westbrook, and yep, we gave him a lot of crap, one of the things that Russ did fairly consistently, Is when I'm coming off a ball screen, I'm just looking to attack and compromise the defense. And when the defense gets compromised, I'm looking for Anthony Davis, right? And there is not a guard on the team right now whose first instinct is, I'm looking for Anthony Davis coming off of this ball screen. Not even Austin Reeves, right? Now, to be fair, defenses are trying to take AD away. And they are packing the paint. Right. But the 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 willingness for all parties on the Lakers, all parties, this is on AD, it's on the guards, it's even on Darwin to basically be like, oh, you're taking that away. I will happily go to something else. Darvin even said this post game the other day. He's just like, oh, well, the team is taking this other thing away. I'll happily go swing, swing and create another shot for a guard because that's a good look for us. And I'm just like, sure. Is it as good a look as getting Anthony Davis the ball? Because I don't think it is.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I actually don't think it is. It's such a good point that you're making, though, because you're you're just essentially giving in to the other game plan then instead of just working a little bit more to get to what it benefits you better, which is Anthony Davis.
2: If everybody is equally good, this is a great idea. Or if, if they're roughly equivalent, it's funny because this is the exact system they ran. The Atlanta teams that had Millsap and Horford and like f- the five really good players, you know? Oh, the like my perfect. whole
1: team is the all-star team? Right. Like,
2: like that group? That's awesome. That, that approach is awesome. But like, you got Anthony Davis on your team.
1: The whole thing of like, take what the defense gives you Sure. Yeah. That's coach speak. Like I heard Kobe Bryant say, oh, well, you know, just be impatient, just take them what the defense gives me. So it's just like, no you weren't. Don't lie. I watched you for two decades. No, seriously. No, like, I feel this. come on, man. Like the that's things that people say in order to not sound like selfish or mm-hmm. to not sound like they're being An arrogant jerk base, basically like no, no one, no one wants to hear the player come out and say, no, did what I wanted. They tried to do this other thing. They're not good enough to stop me from doing the thing that I want to do. They'll talk like that during the games to each other. Right. You'll see Steph. Steph Curry tell a dude during the game like like shimmy and then say something under his breath right to a defender and then after the game he'll be like oh well you know just working (laughs) on off my teammates and yeah all credit due to them it's just like no there's there's a thing that happens between the lines and there's a thing that happens after the game where you're talking to all of all of the reporters where where you're on the record and the point that you said Mike about like giving in to what the defense is doing like that's a win. Every single time the Lakers decide we'd rather have guard X shoot an 18-footer, right, rather than work and work and work in order to try to run actions to get AD the ball. Like, that's a win. AD should be touching the ball on 75 or 80% of the possessions that he's in the game. He just should. Good things happen when he touches the ball.
3: And just to add another thing that that I think fits into this, that there's this whole attitude. And I, I think the first time that I heard it a lot was the Mike Dantoni and just essentially encouraging guys to always shoot. And if you're open, shoot. And I just have always thought that there is a limit to that. And it doesn't always work. And like the there, they the ultimate green light type thing, like for a defense, there are certain shots. That you're more than happy, even to a good shooter, you're more than happy that they take. And it's like a rushed early shot clock run into three possession, dead transition opportunity the other way. And I I think that we have, there are some guys on every team, but certainly on the Lakers right now that are, that are like, think that that's a good shot uh, for them. And it's not a good shot. It's not, but that's not being discussed that it's not, especially as you guys said, when you have better options and better advantages on the floor. And it's just, uh, this is where we were, (laughs) Pete, what was the the topic when we were basically, we're trying to figure out the difference between like the uh, smart guys, but sometimes like a a team that isn't making the right basketball decisions. So like a lot of guys that have high basketball IQ, um, which the Lakers do have, Mm -hmm. but then, but yet like the way that shots are coming about and distributed are not.
2: This was Darius and I I this is forgive me I'm going to tell it even though it's yours D is the like the smart kids but the smart asses in the back of the classroom yeah sitting that's, next that's to each cool. other it's very much that type of like they'll ace the tests right like and god fingers crossed like we'll see we we got some some tests coming up but you know they might be they might be messing around for for parts of the uh of, of the class right and so that that's certainly the case Mike right but to me there's a practical basketball thing that adds to this that's on that's on AD as well is that i think his shot attempts would go up by like a third maybe 40% if he just popped into the open space right like yeah. teams are so over committing to this and he's been so good at that shot and again I'm not just talking threes although I'd love for him to take like three threes a game if nothing but to keep them honest and start pulling guys out of the paint so that he can get more more lanes to the basket right like that just that right there D it's something that he hasn't done much really since the two, 2021 season right after um right after we won the championship at the beginning of that year and i love that his he's you know his numbers that are are at a career high in terms of his field goal percentage and all of that but i think the field goal attempts are down or we've seen this over and over
1: this season in large part just because he's not popping into the open space 100% and so this is why there is no one area where you're just like, aha, it's your fault, right? right. Like it's basketball's everyone's great with that. Yeah. No, it's everyone's fault. Like AD mm-hmm. needs to be better at his decision making as well. Like how he, how quick he's going, what types of shots that he's determining are good shots versus bad, bad shots. And the coaches need, need to continue to explore ways in order to get him open and on the move. Ca- when when he's catching the ball and, and The guards and the ball handlers They need to be looking for him more And mm-hmm. Like the Lakers have been An interesting like turnover Team there was a stretch there where it's Just like remember earlier this season they had That game where they had like one turnover Or no turnovers uh-huh. it was like a crazy Game right and so they they had Like a month long stretch where they didn't turn The ball over at all and then they had stretches where just – they're like one of the bottom five turnover teams in the entire league. And so they they oscillate a bunch with this. Um, and they were bad against the Bulls in terms of turn turnovers. And the Bulls punished them in terms a, of points off of turnovers.
2: A lot of them were pick sixes, right? These are live ball turnovers. It's not just like I threw yeah. the ball out of bounds, but it's a two-on-one going the other way, and that's freaking Zach Levine filling the lane. It's, it's just easy points.
1: 100%. And so like – but i wouldn't mind them trying to get the ball to ad more not and this is where the types of so there's two types of passes to anthony davis the we're all moving together and we're downhill and i'm trying to force it to you those are often bad passes because the the ease in which or the the risk to reward ratio is just off right mm-hmm. like I'm moving. He's moving. The defense is all collapsing. Let me try to rush the ball in there. Right. But there are other times where AD is just sort of like underneath the basket or around the basket. And he's the it's him and his own man. And there are times where I just wish like, oh, like, can we just Megatron you the ball? right now? Like, like, can yeah. we just like throw it up? Like you're Randy Moss to make a, a, a Mike Vikings connection where it's just like, here's Dante Culpepper to Moss. Like I'm just heaving it up there. For there you. were a couple possessions where it's, he's got like Pat
2: Bev and Alex Crusoe and I, God love them. Right. Like they're, but they're like way shorter than him. Just throw it up there. And, but that's one of the things that we don't, we don't always see that pass.
1: No, we don't because our, the, the guards on this team have it, they are conditioned to sort of like that the offense is, and they're not wrong. The offense is built for them. It is. Like I've said this a
3: bunch of times, but the offense yeah. is built for them. And so I'm just thinking though, if everybody is available and we're kind of still waiting for an update on Bamba at some point, and then that we'll get back to that sort of Bamba versus Wenyan. It seems like choice, but it's going to, it's going to have to be Beasley or Walker. And the starting lineup, if it's going to be Austin um, and Delo in the backcourt and LeBron and then Vanderbilt along with AD, it just it does seem like that's a lot of skill uh, in around Anthony Davis. That's that should enable some actions more. And and if not, then those actions can be punished in a different way um, with Delo and Austin on opposite sides of the court. And then wherever LeBron wants to be, uh, which could be in any different any one of the places he's good from everywhere. So I'm. I'm I'm wondering how much of this stuff like can get taken care of with that group and also lamenting that they've had so little time um, that to sort of figure that out. And then what does that do to the bench rotation um, and how much can you just increase the minutes for LeBron, Austin, D'Lo uh, and, and then not need um, as much from that bench and just do a little bit more staggering and maybe get some more, just bigger defense, uh, defensive type players. Like my perfect world would be moving Troy to the two, um, off of that second unit, so it's like Dennis and Troy, and then Rui, and you know either Bamba or Wenyan, like that, and just be just be bigger. I get that it's sacrificing some shooting, but this this specific team and and the way that I've seen them in different games, like get their ass kicked. It's been more because of the, uh, a lack of energy or a lack of size or a lack of defense Mm -hmm. than it has been by like missing open shots. Um, that especially when they have enough guys that are, that are just creative and good enough at breaking defense down and getting and getting good shots. So that's, that's the, the makeup that, uh, that I, I wish they had some more time to explore.
2: You know, who's going to help us size up and break the defense down off of the dribble quite a bit. LeBron James, who we barely talked about today, uh, but tomorrow yeah, no we doubt. will. Uh, tomorrow we will. LeBron made a surprise return. We'll discuss his return for this upcoming road trip tomorrow here on the Laker Film Room podcast.
1: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn. east double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic
2: fires. It's game. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game.
3: Second shot, that next for the winner. It's on the way, no! down. Kobe Bryant, forty-eight points, sixteen rebounds, shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, standing so around for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP chance in, right, in, in Boston. Of all places, are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are oh, you
3: looking to push.
0: Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol. Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game.
3: Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell.
0: There's the move. The two, one, missing. Bryant. Gordon. Gordon. It's over. It's over. Shot clock now of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Alvin Gentry